Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the blatant hate and trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get this one i think should be a fun one (laughs) we've basically avoided directly discussing the presidential election this year on the podcast Uh, a few weeks back we had a discussion on what we would have liked to have seen in a presidential tech and innovation platform since neither candidate seemed to have much of a real plan out there or one of them had no plan at all to be clear. Uh, And last week, we discussed better ways to pick presidents in discussing many of the flaws of the Electoral College, little knowing that as that podcast came out, uh, Hillary Clinton would be in the process of losing the Electoral College while winning the popular vote. Of course, uh, this result went against basically all of the prognosticators who had this as something of a cakewalk for Clinton. And in the days since the surprise result, there's been a lot of talk about what went wrong. And in many, many, many cases, people are quickly whipping out their fingers to figure out who that they can blame. I wrote two posts last week on this, in particular concerned about the rush of many, especially many in the media, to specifically point the finger at Facebook and argue that because there was a lot of fake news that was passed around and that trended on Facebook, that it was partly to blame. I think that this is wrong and actually partly dangerous. Uh, As I wrote in much greater detail, this uh, is, I think, way too simplistic and puts way too much power into the platform and the power of false information to influence people. Yes, it's true, plenty of people shared false and misleading information, but that's true of basically every presidential election in history. People pick their sides, and they engage in confirmation bias. Some people, including probably some uh, on this very podcast, will likely argue that Facebook has enabled this kind of confirmation bias on a larger scale and more powerfully than ever before, and that makes a difference. But I disagree. I think in some sense it's kind of insulting to millions of people who had their reasons for voting for Trump, often because they're sick of politics as usual, no matter how misguided that may be, to claim that they voted the way they did just because fake news on Facebook. I also think that it's dangerous to put this at the feet of Facebook's algorithm because the inevitable end of that road, as many people said to me on Twitter, is that Facebook should be filtering out content that Trump supporters liked. In any era where they're already on uh, in an era where they're already on edge about media and Facebook bias calling for Facebook to censor content that they like even more seems likely to backfire in a big way or to think of it another way how will Clinton supporters feel when Trump supporters control those very same filters on Facebook Anyway, uh, not everyone agrees with me on this, and one person on the other side of this debate is 
Matthew Ingram, a longtime reporter and commentator on all things media, uh, currently working at Fortune. Uh, he wrote a piece basically arguing that Facebook's filter bubble definitely did play a part in this and is a part of the problem and needs to be dealt with. So I thought it would be a fun thing to have, a, have him on the podcast along with uh, one of our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang, uh, to discuss this. And Matthew, since I got to lay out my entire argument up front, uh, tell me why I'm wrong and crazy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'd be happy to, Mike. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Um, I, I guess... You know, in a nutshell, I agree with almost all the things you said, but I believe that Facebook did play a role and is playing a role in particular. So there's two separate things, I think, that, that have had an effect. One is the filter bubble, and we mm -hmm. can talk about whether such a thing exists or whether it's different because Facebook is so massive. I think the size of Facebook changes the scale of so filter bubbles used to exist, you know, newspapers were filter bubbles, small towns were filter bubbles, but I think Facebook has changed the game just by being so large. Um, and the second thing would be the fake news problem. So I think, I think there's, I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive to what you described. I'm, since I'm a member of the media, I write all the time about, <laughs> about how Facebook deletes things and censors things and removes people's web pages and accounts and, and in most cases, it does so, I think, incorrectly. It's, it's, it's constantly censoring things and then saying, oh, you know, it breached our standards and we're not a media company, so we don't have to, we can censor whatever we want. I certainly don't want to give Facebook more ammunition to censor things or delete things. But I do think that they're, at least in my, my sort of view and, and that of some others, including people who used to work at Facebook, the, the news feed and its bias towards engagement um, takes it away from a bias towards accuracy or factual uh, posts. And, and, and uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So then I think it was uh, one of the guys who used to work on the newsfeed said uh, on Facebook that he, he believes Facebook's engagement bias propels a lot of fake news because Facebook doesn't particularly care whether it's fake or not. I mean, they claim to, right. but all they care about is whether you engage with it, share it, like it, comment. Um, and so that, that I think, makes the snowball go down the hill faster and, and gain even more speed. And, and like, I agree that Facebook <laughs> is sort of... We're not supposed to agree. We're supposed to disagree. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we're, we're getting to the nugget of the disagreement. It's there. It's there. We're, we're going to... We'll find it. So... Now I agree that that there's a ton of fake news shared on Facebook, right? And 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 that you know Facebook itself is kind of designed to to increase engagement. And you get a lot of engagement, especially around sort of you know partisan focused fake news. But you disagree about whether that's a problem. I I disagree about whether or not that's a problem in the idea of impacting the election. So that mm -hmm. that's the specific thing. I and I get and, what you're saying. Your your view. Um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that yes, there's fake news. Yes, people engage with it a lot and they share it a lot because it confirms the things they already think. So not mm -hmm. that it changes the way people think or makes them prone to Trump when they might have otherwise voted for Clinton, but that it reinforces existing biases they already had. Right. Is that it? Yeah. And, and, and you know, connected to that, a point that like, 
you know, oh, if they had only seen, you know, PolitiFact or, you know, whatever fact-checking source instead of that, that they would have suddenly changed their opinion on this. Right. I don't think that's true. And, and you know what? I'm skeptical of that as well. Although I would very much like to believe that that happens because that's why people do that. That's yeah. why people are in the media in the first place because they believe sure. if they tell the truth, it will actually affect the way people think. And in many cases, that's that's not the case. I I mean, I I wrote about how the media failed in this election and I was simultaneously uh, having to argue that the media failed, but also didn't really matter because nobody pays attention to the <laughs> mainstream media anyway. So I'm trying to kind of have my cake and eat it too, in a way. But I do think that, well, actually another thing I wrote about recently was a social media, uh, a piece of social media research, I think the Pew Center did. And they found that um, even though we believe that the vast majority of people don't change their minds based on what's what appears on social media, there is a significant proportion of people who who say they have changed their minds. And in some cases, they changed their minds about Clinton and they changed their minds about Trump or about other political issues like Black Lives Matter. Um, and admittedly, it wasn't a huge proportion. It was like 20% said that they had. Uh, but still, I think th there is the chance that if you were leaning or you were on the fence, if mm -hmm. you saw a whole bunch of fake news stories shared about how Clinton's a demon who smells like sulfur or whatever, and, uh, you know, then, or, or, all the Russian connection stuff that that might have actually changed your viewpoint. Josh Benton wrote a thing at the Neiman Journalism Lab about how the mayor of the town that he grew up in was sharing all these fake news stories. Like his feed was full of them. That's the mayor. <laughs> like I'm presuming at least some people follow the mayor and they might think, Hey, mayor Quimby or whatever shared all these <laughs> fake news stories. You know, um, how big is that effect? I don't know, but I can't see it not having an effect. And so I, I guess I'm, 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 I'm struggling with this. <laughs> go ahead. Just go ahead and admit that I'm right. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving in just yet. Not that easy. Okay. Um, so I, here's the part that I, I struggle with. Like I, I agree to some extent that, that, you know, you know, the stuff that, that people read, uh, you know, has some influence on them. I, I think it's, you know, the idea, you know, it, it, and these things in general are, but, but, you know, fairly uh, marginal impact in terms of how much it's, it's actually moving the needle. And I think that, you know, the stuff that w is more likely to have impacted what people think about a particular candidate is not going to be that kind of fake news, extreme stuff, because the people who fall for the extreme fake news, you know, drinking blood or, you know, whatever it might be kind of stories, their their minds are made up, right? I mean, right. those people were never going to be convinced one way or the other. It's, you know, the people, I, I and maybe I'm overestimating the average intelligence of the <laughs> average American, but I don't think so. You know, I think they can... They can look at that and understand which things are more legitimate than others. And I think the things that were shifting their opinions were actually things that were more factually based. And then if you add into that this idea of pointing the finger at the platform, 
I still worry about where that leads in terms of what is the end result? What do you want? Because, you know, I, I asked a lot of people, well, what do you want Facebook to do because of this? And, you know, basically I got two responses and I'm not sure that either one makes that much sense. And the first one was basically like, you know, just be a better algorithm to put like the good news in front, you know, but, but it, you know, it feels easy to say, well, there's fake news and then there's real news. Right. Right. But deciding which is which, do we really want Facebook doing that? Right. And, and I think that's a real, that's a, a definite risk. I mean, I've, I remember writing about Google News when people were making the same claims about Google News that it sure. should be, you know, promoting real or quote unquote factual news or authoritative yeah. news or whatever. And I said, do we really want Google making that decision? Yeah. That's and, a and like, even, you know, and like TechDirt, we actually, it took us a while to actually even get into Google News because they didn't consider us a real news source for a little while. And it's like, because well, you were you a know? blog. <laughs> yeah, I know. So like, who's, who are, ma- who's making these right. decisions? And, and that has, that has, you know, potentially s- serious impact. Um, and, and on top of that, just the fact that, I mean, you know, there was that story, which was, again, a misleading story uh, this, this summer about, you know, Facebook apparently having this, this bias Mm-hmm. That you know would uh, um, uh, you know that they would downgrade conservative news or whatever, which sent up a huge storm. So anything that that Facebook now does in response to this right. is it's going to be a giant red flag, right? Yeah. And yeah. is going to be seen as basically like, and, oh well, you know. The, but the, I mean, and I, I totally would, get. Sorry, go ahead, Dennis. So I would I would actually question. Like, so I think the question I have is: so let's just say Facebook's algorithm is at its very core optimizing on engagement kind of what what i think matthew mm-hmm. was matthew was saying um like unintentionally like i want i wonder what the effect of that algorithm does to kind of the a, a, a population you know one kind of key difference i think that i think with this election is that usually presidential election years are a race to the middle in terms of kind of ideology right and this one definitely seemed like it was a race, a race to, to the fringe the fringe right um and I wonder why, right? Like why that's happening. And I think th- I would actually set the fake news thing aside. I think that's kind of a, a little bit of a red herring. And let's just call, you know, all of the, the, the points that are that the two parties were kind of stumping on with this engagement algorithm. I can definitely see a world in which, you know, you're you kind of don't know which side, but maybe you you click on a few stories that are slightly more Trump related, then all of a sudden Facebook algorithm says, okay, cool, let's start feeding you more of that stuff. And it just mm-hmm. starts pushing you more and more. So all of a sudden we have this bicameral distribution of, instead of this, you know, kind of middle uh, bell curve type thing where everyone is kind of right. seeing similar stories, all of a sudden the optimization kind of unintentionally created this, big divisive thing you know that that mm-hmm. un- ended up where we are and, and I, I, think wonder, I wonder if that's yeah i think that's the issue with with the algorithm period every time i write about facebook as a media entity and about the impact of the algorithm the the, the things that that bother me are a it's a black box mm-hmm. and i realize why it's that way same way google's algorithm is a black box but still we know nothing about it literally nothing we don't even know if what facebook tells us in their blog posts about it is accurate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know nothing about it. And it it has huge potential to to alter the way people see the world. And 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 that goes far beyond just the election. But that that kind of engagement um 
you know, matrix or whatever is completely opaque. So we don't know why, for example, the shootings in Ferguson didn't show up on lots of people's news feeds. Yeah. Is it because they didn't click on stuff and therefore Facebook figured they weren't interested? Or was it because Facebook thought that would make them sad and they would much rather that they were happy? Well, we just don't know. And so, and, and I agree, every time I have this argument with somebody, they will say, but newspapers used to do that too. And, mm-hmm. and you don't know why certain stories are on the front of the paper. And that's true. But, w- but most, in most cases, we accept that media entities like newspapers are media entities and they have certain <laughs> principles. And, and right? everyone got the same newspaper. But everyone that, got that, the, that, not only that, that's but not I mean, Facebook, true, though, right? Facebook is like every newspaper and TV <laughs> network in the world all got merged into one. And it was all run by an algorithm that no one would admit had anything to do with the news and you just got whatever you got. Like all I want Facebook to do, like to answer your question, Mike, all I want Facebook to do is to admit that this is an issue and not try to get around it by saying, well, we're just an, you know, entertainment network. We're not a media company. The algorithm runs everything. We don't even know how it works. Um, you know, or whatever their excuse is. I just want them to address these issues. But that, See, that, that bothers me too, because I, I feel like, to some extent, I feel like that is taking the blame off of the individuals in, in terms of how they use Facebook and sort of how they search out their worldview and how they, you know, uh, you know sort of build their, their own communities and putting it on Facebook and almost saying like, well, yeah. you know, Facebook, why did you let these insular communities well, remain insular? And I would agree that, that lots of these decisions are are made by the users and, and Facebook is trying, I'm not, I don't think they're doing this for evil purposes. I think they are actually yeah, trying to reflect and, and I, I, what I don't, you want, I, but, but something like 50 or 60% of people don't even know that their Facebook feed is filtered. So yeah. they don't even realize that they're curating their own worldview or that Facebook is doing it on their behalf. And that, I find that frightening because they're getting a filtered view of the world, but they don't know it. Yeah, and then couple that with the fact that forty percent of people get their news primarily from Facebook, and, and you kind of have a recipe for right sixty percent of millennials, I think sixty yeah. percent yeah. of millennials. But but even I I don't know, Dennis. I I, yeah. I mean, how did people get their news before before Facebook? And like like, do you think that that when it was before Facebook, those same people were mm-hmm. suddenly getting like the broad you know multicultural no, I think, no, 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 view no, of the no, world, not right? Not at all. No, I don't think they would, but but they were like they were all getting kind of larger media channels, right? So they were getting T V and newspaper and radio that was more mass. And I, I think that, you know, as res- at like the the media the media institutions definitely felt a responsibility to present a balance here, right? Some did. Yeah, some, some did. Yeah, some did. Some I mean, did. Come right? On. No, no, no. And I, and no, I, I no. Think but that some did. Some did. Right? Sure. Some did. And the fact that everyone there only if there are fewer channels, right, that were providing these sources of information meant that you didn't have to. Right, like that, th- there wasn't as much divergence between the different sources you were finding. And, and there's no question that you could easily construct a filter bubble. Yeah. Previously, like lots of people did it. My mother would only listen to one radio station. Mm-hmm. She only would watch one guy on TV. She'd only read one columnist in the newspaper who was a moron. So I mean, her <laughs> her worldview was effectively pretty sheltered, right? But so it's not that you couldn't do it. It's that Facebook is doing it on your behalf 
without yeah. you knowing it and without you having any input into how that works. But, but okay, that, but that's not entirely true, right? I mean, you, you don't have input into specifically how the algorithm works, but you yeah. do have a tremendous amount of input into... But you don't know what that input you, is. Sure, but you, you do know who you follow, no. what you click on, and, and things uh, like that. I don't that. know. So, you know but I there's mean, so an, many anecdote, data points yeah. <laughs> that they... That, like they look at how far you scroll down something. They look at, no. there are all these inputs that you have sure. no knowledge of and you don't know what the weighting is. What if sure. you comment on something, yeah. but you don't like it? What if you share it, but you don't like it? Right. And like, and like seeing a contrarian view on Facebook is so difficult. Like, and I was, I was actually actively seeking out, you know, differing opinions on my Facebook yeah, feed and, and I never could find them. It's hard yeah. to it do. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, Josh Benton mentioned that too. It is hard to do, even if yeah. you are trying. I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I got put into a, into a, a group <laughs> of, of people who, had strong opinions that disagreed very strongly. So my Facebook feed was actually full of, of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, and, but that's, you know, so, but that's just a, a single, you know, anecdote on, on my part. Do you use too. it a lot? The, that group? No, Facebook. Uh, I use it somewhat. I wouldn't say I use yeah. it a lot. I use Are Facebook you on it every day? all the time. Um, probably on Facebook every day, but. Okay. That's, um, and that's not a lot. That's a lot. Well, but I, I mean, I don't spend very much time when I am on it. Um, so it's, it's usually pretty brief. The thing that got me really was the quote from this guy, Bobby Goodlatte or whatever. Um, I, I assumed that was a fake name, uh, but it actually turns out to be a real name. It's it's his real name and (laughs) and his his father is in Congress too, which is. Yeah. And I I just assumed it was a made up name by a (laughs) coffee lover. But anyway, um, It's, so, it's it's just good lat is how they pronounce oh, okay, it. Okay, good lat. But it looks like good lat. It, do, it does look like, yes. He should definitely latte. be a barista for sure. <laughs> yeah. But so he said, um, this is a guy who worked at Facebook, yeah. worked on the newsfeed, designed, helped design it, said it's it's optimized for engagement. And you know what's really engaging? Bullshit. So mm. by, effectively, he was saying Facebook's, it's it's not in Facebook's interests to really weed out a lot of factually incorrect stuff because it gets a lot of engagement. Right, and but then, I mean, you could you could make the same argument about cable news as entertainment, sure. right? And and in fact, I I do. And and news sites do the same thing. News sites are more than happy to publish a post that is dodgy without looking into it because they're going to get a lot of clicks. And then later, they could change it or delete it or update it. But that never gets clicks because no one cares. People don't actually care about the accuracy of the things you're sharing. Is. All they care, right? They care about is that it triggers some strong emotion. Um, Which is the the I mean, BuzzFeed headlines are another example of what's happened, right? And actually, it was Jonah Peretti who sort of got through to me yeah. that their both their editorials and their ads have to trigger some strong feeling, um, include, and it's not just hate and love and stuff it's it's i feel informed or Mm -hmm. or this has you know changed the way i look at something but it has to trigger something strong and oh that that great story that you shared isn't actually a hundred percent true it's just not a strong strong (laughs) feeling except for fact checkers (laughs) right there's just most people are going to be like i don't care i mean again though like i i feel like 
this is the same thing that's happened over and over again. And like, you know, so in one of the articles, I, I went through like a whole bunch of examples from past mm -hmm. elections and like, you know, the 1828 election, um, which is you go back and, and, and read about it. It's, there are some pretty fascinating parallels between that one and this particular election. It's uh, John Quincy Adams versus Andrew okay. Jackson. Um, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of parallels, but, but, you know, one of them was, was that like both sides had, you know, surrogates who were basically right. out there pushing all sorts of ridiculous fake yeah. news about each other. And those were getting spread around and, and everything. And we have all sorts of examples of that in almost every presidential election. And like, you can make the argument that like, okay, you know, Facebook has more scale, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't is, see how, how it makes the, the uh, that, that kind of is of the core, one core, the core of my argument. So it's not that newspapers and radio stations and, and even blogs or Breitbart or all things like that, or, you know, people talking in bars back in the 1800s didn't have an effect. I think Facebook's size and reach and speed is changes it. It's not just orders of magnitude. It's not just a difference of, of, of quantity or speed. I think it becomes something different because it is so influential for so many people. Um, it's not just another and, website that people check. Well, let me, let me, let me raise this other issue though, which is like in each of these examples, now that I'm thinking about it, and I didn't write about this, but it's just sort of popped into my head. You know, in each of these examples, there were, you know, of, of past elections, there were, you know, basically both sides were doing it. And to some extent that was true of, of this election too. So if it's happening on both sides, and I know like lots of people would talk about all the, the fake sort of anti-Clinton stuff, but there was plenty of, of fake anti-Trump stuff out there yeah. too. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, I had some, some, some people I know very well who were passing around all sorts of, you know, complete bullshit about, about Trump as well. Did you call them out? <sighs> no, I don't think I did. <laughs> Just because yeah. it would be a full-time job. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but look at, so look at, um, the Huffington or what's it? The Huffington Post. Someone did a sort of the, looked into the Macedonian network of fake yeah. websites that cook up fake stories. This is an industry. It's not, and that's industry has been created effectively to exist on top of Facebook because it gets monetized and so on. It's not just the occasional person passing a rumor around in a bar, you know, that then gets passed on through word of mouth. This is, this is a, it's been weaponized. That was Zeynep Tufekci's yeah. term. Yeah. It changes. But, and, I think and that it was, changes it, the it, impact. Yeah. I, I, I don't agree. I mean, so, and it, it was Buzzfeed that had that story. Um, but, right. Um, Buzzfeed Huffington Post. They get they blur together <laughs> at times, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, I didn't verify it by it to <laughs> see if it was true either. So, yeah, well, there's that. But but <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's like I I don't deny that there's like all sorts of fake news and that you know the that they've you know have it's all sorts of like it's usually teenagers running right. you know, basically fake news sites and figuring out you know what kinds of things are so would it be viral. fair to say that you just don't think it's a problem that needs dealing with it's just one of those things that comes with the no, media I, and it happens I, I, and I, I, no i i mean i think i think in general it is a problem in that you know fake news is not a good thing mm -hmm. but I have trouble believing that it's like Facebook's 
fault or, or Facebook's concern directly, that they should be the ones dealing with it. And I think it, it takes some of the responsibility out of the users of Facebook and the people and, you know, people who are voters who, you know, have to educate themselves to some extent. And I agree. I totally, like, I don't want to say Facebook should solve this problem and users are somehow but, just but patsies who sit there. But that's there. what a lot of people have been <clears throat> arguing. Well, right? I mean, a lot of the arguments are like, I mean, you know, there were a bunch of tweets and some of which you retweeted and some of which, you know, I put in my article, which are basically like, hey, Facebook, you need to, you know, you need to confront this. I think they do. I don't think they're the only ones who need to solve it. I think we need to have a discussion with Facebook at the table about this issue and about the impact, not just not just on the election, but on people's news consumption and the way it impacts their view yeah. of the world. And I, all I want Facebook to do is to admit that this is something they are involved in, not something they created or something that they control or just something that happens that involves their platform and their algorithm. And, and, and to say, yes, we're concerned about it too. And we would like to figure out a way to solve it. Not yeah, by themselves, but, not that not that they're going to decide what's true and what's not true. Just but, but but the second they say that, you know what's going to happen. And it's going to be that people are going to rise up and say, look, Facebook is planning to censor us. They're going to determine which news is appropriate and which news is approved. And, you know, that's what's going to come out of this. And that's why I think it has to be something that that gets discussed in a in a sort of not like, hey, Facebook, flick a switch and and remove a bunch yeah. of news. But there are certain things I think you could argue deserve to be removed. That's that's why they had editors in the first place who they then fired because of this controversy. I, and I think the whole thing has been has just been handled badly. So I think Facebook is afraid that if they do admit that they have these responsibilities or that there is this problem that they're afraid they're going to get dragged into a quagmire, which they probably will. But mm -hmm. they're already in the quagmire. The quagmire already exists. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> what I'd like to do is, is just have them be part of the discussion about how can we make this less of a problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, I win. I... I... I, I all right. Have you changed? So, Are you no, over? no, no. I have not changed. I have not changed my oh, okay. opinion on this. So, so okay. I, 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 though we we may be in in closer agreement than than it initially seemed. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think. I I think that that this is not the major problem. That the focus on this is the major problem is taking away from yeah. a lot of other other issues. I, I agree with you there that Facebook like calling up Facebook as the, you know, the, the reason why this happened is, is a little bit extreme. That's fine. And That's I would fair. agree. I would definitely agree. And I don't, I certainly don't think, I kept trying to point out to people, my view is not that Facebook is to blame for Donald Trump or that Facebook is to blame for, my, my point is that Facebook is part of what is happening. I mean, I said the media was to blame too, but and they're part of the problem. They're not the whole problem, but yeah. we're, we're talking about a, a news consumption environment. That's, that's being rewritten daily. Like, you know, Breitbart news became a massive 
part of this election. And it was literally like three guys, um, two years ago and, and everyone assumed they were morons and just crazy people. So the, just the fact that the, the sort of media landscape has become as fragmented as it is, that actually makes, I think the Facebook problem worse because Facebook is this massive media entity. It has sucked up a lot of the oxygen out of the sort of media market, including the revenue. And so I think they are taking on some of those problems that used to be media problems, but they're not the only problem by any means. Yeah. And I guess my argument is, is sort of twofold on that, which is like, I think they're, if they are a part of the problem at all, it's so tiny, a part of the problem. And I fear that focusing on that takes away from, from other stuff. And at the same time, it, you know, where it leads to is, is to me dangerous. I think that this conversation, no matter what, tends to lead towards, you know, well, Facebook should be, you know, uh, uh, making decisions on that for us. Right. But part of my argument is they are already doing that. They already do that every day. They deleted that photo of, of the young girl in Vietnam and, and blocked people's accounts and deleted the prime minister of Norway's uh, post. I mean, they're already doing this and they do it all the time without talking about it. So pages about the war in Syria disappear. Pages about Iran disappear. Pages about Turkey disappear. And we just never hear about it. We never find out about it. So part of my point is they're already doing that. They're already doing things that amount to censorship or that effectively change the way people see the world. I just want them to admit it and be more upfront about it. Like if that was all that happened, I don't want them to tell me how the algorithm works. I don't want them to give me the levers so So I can decide. but, But what does that accomplish? I mean, if they did what you said, then what does that accomplish? Well, it, it, w- it would at least get them into the conversation. It would make them part of, instead of us having this conversation and Facebook just going about its business and censoring things and behaving like a media entity and controlling the way people see the world, I would, it would at least make them part of the discussion. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I see your point completely. I don't want them to decide what is quote unquote fake news and what's real news. Um, but, but they're part of that decision-making process and, and effectively they're doing it anyway. So, yeah, but, and they, they don't deny that part of it. Right. I mean, they, there is an algorithm and, and yes, you're right. But look at, look at what they said when they realize. removed, when they removed the Vietnam photo. Yeah. So after a little while after they said, okay, now we're going to allow certain things that breach our community standards because that's why they said they took the photo down, had a right. naked child in it. So even when things breach our community standards, if they're newsworthy, we'll allow them to remain. Right. Well, that's a hugely problematic statement because now <laughs> they have to decide what's newsworthy. What is newsworthy. Yeah. And so how are they going to do that? Well, we have no idea. There's, there appears to be a group at Facebook who make those kind of high-level decisions from what I've been able to gather. There's three lawyers. There's Mark Zuckerberg. And I think there's a guy who runs the newsfeed. So they are already doing this, but they just don't want to talk about it. And so, I mean, ideally, they would just let me do it. But, 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 I, think, <laughs> but I think they could. What if they had an advisory board? What if they could say, 
hey, look at this photo. Is this newsworthy? Everybody would look at the photo of the girl from Vietnam and say, you know what? That's pretty obviously newsworthy. So that gets a pass. And then at least you've got a, I mean, I'm thinking of like a public editor, someone who can advise. Look, I mean, Facebook, what do they know about the news? Right? All they're trying to do is get you to click and comment on your friend's picture of a puppy or something. So, but in, but they're an accidental media entity because of their size and sort of influence. It's like some kid who was trying to get his friends to share hockey cards, accidentally created a media entity that billions of people use. And now he's (laughs) trying to decide what should I leave up and what shouldn't I leave up? Isn't that kind of the internet? <laughs> yeah, it is the internet. And in fact, yeah, all of yeah. Facebook's problems are yeah. the same problems we've had on the internet forever. It's just that one guy <laughs> and a publicly traded company are controlling, you know, what 2 billion people see every day. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think for that very same reason, that, that's where I get I get nervous about where this conversation goes. Um, and uh, you know, at this point we're just going to go around and around in circles, (laughs) but, but like, and I, you know, I already admitted I'm right. So no, I I don't think I did, but but (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. You can, you can post it on Facebook and it'll, (laughs) but you you won't see it. So (laughs) I'll never see it because it's outside my bubble. But, but, um, I, I, I'm, you know, to me, I think what the, some of this boils down to is sort of two two things. This will be my final point, and I'll I'll let you have the the final <laughs> word, Matthew, and and then then we can go. But I, I see sort of two things that that concern me about this, and, and which sort of boil down to sort of two two core principles, I guess. Um, and now I'm going to forget them, but <laughs> or the second one before I get to it. But the the first one is is just this idea of. Um, it it feels like a moral panic to me. It it feels like there are a bunch of people really upset about something that's going on that they don't like. And the first thing that they do is then they point at this sort of newfangled technology that's come along that's made things different than before. And we've seen all sorts of examples of that in history. And I could go through the list and some of them are funny. Like people freaked out about chess in the 1800s and they freaked mm-hmm. about freaked out about the waltz in the 1700s and and, more re- and and comic books and rock and roll and you know the internet and you know every one of these there's an example of that and and in every case what it tended to be was people just doing something different and maybe because it was different uh, you know there were there were questions about how do you handle it in as a at a social level as a society how do you handle something that's different that leads to activities or actions that people dislike and so instead of thinking about how do we as people as individuals adjust you point at the thing and you say it's that's that thing's fault and that creates this sort of moral panic which doesn't tend to lead to very good and over time society sort of figures out how do we deal with this new thing and how do we incorporate it into society in a way that is not damaging but is actually beneficial so that's that's my one concern is that it sort of feels like the moral panic and then the second concern is i guess in some sense related to that but it's like you know one of the concepts that that i talk about all the time and i write about all the time is this this whole idea of you know the issue of you know, what's boringly known as intermediary liability, which is, do you blame the platform for the actions of, of the users? And when you, when you, you know, the platform and is, is sort of this big 
scary entity. And that makes it very easy to kind of point fingers at that and say, you know, what the users of this platform did can be blamed on that platform. And when you go down that path, bad things happen over and over again every time we try and blame the platform for the actions of their users. And this is a little bit extended, but it's really, you know, people are literally blaming Facebook for people going out and voting for Donald Trump. And I think that takes, you know, that takes away from the the thought and the action and the decisions of millions of voters and puts it onto this algorithm, which just feels dangerous and unfair. So those are my two points. <laughs> Matthew, go ahead and destroy them. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to destroy them. I, I, I totally agree with both of them. I mean, I agree that I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the idea of, um, you know, the moral panic that, that's one of the things I hate the most about when people talk about new technology or the internet. And if we were just talking about the internet mm-hmm. and the things that the internet enables, I would be totally on side with you. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a a publicly traded, effectively privately held company that that to some extent controls the the way that billions of people see the world. So if you if you accept that that. 50 or 60% of millennials get their news from Facebook. If you accept that 50 or 60% of people don't know that their newsfeed is filtered, they're getting this picture of the world through Facebook that is altered. They don't know it. And it, to some extent, it is their choice, but they don't know that they've made that choice. Do you see what I'm saying? So if, 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 if they were free agents who did things and knew the outcome of those things, then I would have no problem with the impact. It's, and I'm not saying that Facebook is controlling them like they're puppets or something and they don't have free will. You know, none of that is, is true. But I, but I do think that Facebook is doing things for its own purposes, that is selling advertising, generating revenue and profit. It is doing things that affect the way those people see the world. And, and it's not giving us enough information about how that happens. And it's effectively not taking responsibility for how that happens. All it's saying is we show you what you want to see the end. And it's all done by algorithms, magical algorithms. So it is effectively trying to absolve itself of responsibility for something that it is doing that many users don't know it's doing, which I think puts it in a slightly different camp than users who choose to use a platform to achieve a specific end and then should be blamed or not for that, for what they're trying to achieve. I don't think most people who use Facebook even know what they're achieving, Facebook or Mm -hmm. what Facebook is achieving. And I don't want Facebook to be, you know, regulated by the government or whatever. I just want them to admit that they have this impact. They're the largest media entity that has ever existed in the history of mankind, with the possible exception of the Catholic Church in like the 13th century, but which was also controlled by one guy. But so, <laughs> so all I want them to do is to admit that that's an issue and become part of the conversation. So, so, so I, I will say that you may have actually convinced me of something with that last little bit. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it, 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 it gets to a point that I've made over and over again that I actually do think is really, really key. And I hadn't put it in this context before until you just said that. And, and maybe that's on me for being dumb, but, but 
one of the things that that I think is is really important and I've talked about it in lots of other contexts is this idea of um, transparency between internet companies and their users and control in terms of allowing the users to have as much control over what's happening uh, as possible. So transparency and, and control together. And you just, in the way you described it, finally put it into the context of this is a situation where there's very little transparency and almost no user control. And that's where it's bad. And and that that to me is actually convincing. I, I I'm I'm still worried Boom. about all the I rest of this stuff. I what? won. Totally. Won. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. Totally no, won. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways. Um match point. <laughs> I, I think that I agree with you though. I think that is part of the problem. Facebook pretends that it gives you lots of control. It will tell you that there are sliders that you can change and but we all know that the more you hide those things, the less people use them. Defaults rule the world effectively. Um, sure. And so you just don't know what the impact of those defaults are. You don't know why you're not seeing videos of the shooting in Ferguson. So you yeah. can't change that even if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, there there was, uh, and I know we're going really long, and, <laughs> and, and, and we haven't let Dennis speak at all. But <laughs> um, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> okay. Plus, Dennis agrees with me. I already know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I stacked the deck against myself. Uh, <laughs> the algorithm messed up here. So, yeah. so the um, uh, you know, ProPublica just you know they recently did this thing where where they sort of exposed some of you know Facebook's mm-hmm. underlying you know what it thinks of you. Yeah. Um, and that was actually really kind of you know useful and enlightening to it me. It was, and, and I think that that you know gets back to the point that you're making which is like if facebook did that itself and sort of made that much much more public and allowed you to you know adjust or change or recognize kind of the way it viewed you um that that could potentially be a really just sort of useful tool in general and i want to you know i want to make clear that i do not think facebook is evil i don't think mark zuckerberg is a great guy he's a genius he created an amazing company um i don't think he's doing anything deliberately to alter people's worldview or get them to vote for Donald Trump or any of that stuff, or even kill the media industry. I think he's achieving those things accidentally while he's doing something else. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the question is yeah. then, you know, then what, what, what do you, what, right. then what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're not going to answer that now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, but, uh, all right. All right. All right. Well, I think we're going to close this out, but this was, this was an interesting discussion. Yeah. Uh, Tremendous. And, and, you know, I, I, I still think I'm right, <laughs> but I think, but I, I think, think we, we probably are closer than. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah. I think we're, we're probably in agreement on most of the, the key points, maybe just uh, a little bit, a little bit off on the framing. <laughs> Um and uh Dennis, since I haven't let you say anything. <laughs> Any yeah. thoughts? No, I'm good. I think you we can all <laughs> retreat back into our own filter bubbles and be happy. Exactly. That sounds good. All right. Well, um Matthew, thank you very much for, for taking the time to to join us and, and have this discussion. It was it was fun and enlightening. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh everyone who's listening, thanks thanks for listening, and uh we'll be back next week. All right. Bye. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tear. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt.